is a favourite project of mine, a new value of pi to assign. I would fix it at three, for it's simpler, you see, than 3.14159. Pi is, first of all, I should say, a big hello to pi, probably the sexiest of all numbers. You know pi is the ratio of the circumference of a circle to its diameter. So how far around a circle divided by how far across gives you pi. And ever since people first started to think about mathematics or geometry, pi has been one of the most fascinating of all numbers and applies in so many other areas of mathematics and geometry, of engineering, of physics. And it's driven some people absolutely mad in their attempts to understand it. Mathematical disc jockey Adam Spencer is a big, big fan of pi, a number that appears in the weirdest places. For example, take the sort of windy rivers that flow across gently sloping plains. It's not exactly clear why, but measure the actual length of a river, divide it by the distance from source to ocean as a crow flies, and the result is, on average, pi, 3.14. Not surprisingly, such an omnipresent number even has its own day, March the 14th the third month and the fourteenth day. But, as Ian Stewart of Warwick University points out, pi is not exactly 3.14, or 3 and a seventh as some people prefer to write it. Pi nearly equals 3 and a seventh, but it's not exact. And th this is where the abyss opens up beneath your feet, because if you say what fraction represents pi exactly, the answer is there isn't one. It's an irrational number, it's not an exact fraction. 3 and 1 seventh is close enough for most calculations. But if I'm doing some advanced mathematical investigation where pi is coming up, and, and it does, then I wouldn't want to use 3 and 1 seventh because I know that was wrong. Pi is said to be irrational because it cannot be written as a ratio. In other words, it can't be written as a fraction or a simple decimal. As Marcus de Sotoy of Oxford University explains, pi is a never-ending decimal, a stream of ever-changing numbers. It looks like a very chaotic number at first sight. But, you know, people all the way throughout history have been trying to find mystical messages uh, embedded in this infinite decimal expansion. Because it is such an important number, people feel that the decimal expansion must be trying to tell you something. But this is rather a futile pursuit. I mean, it's one that in the film Pi, Max Cohen gets rather obsessed with trying to look at the decimal expansion. Everything around us can be represented and understood through numbers. Within the stock market, there is a pattern as well, right in front of me, hiding behind the numbers. And he believes that hidden in there is the answer to milking the stock exchange for all the money. And the film illustrates perfectly how this is such a futile pursuit because he really goes mad in uh, trying to pursue all these patterns. We'll have another mystical slice of pie later. But first we go back to the time 4,000 years ago when the quest to decipher this elusive number began. The Babylonians knew that in order to find how far it is round the rim of a circle, basically you take the diameter of the circle and multiply by something that's about three and a bit. But they didn't know three and what bit. <laughs> so there's a whole sort of prehistory of pi to do with approximations and misconceptions, and there's a passage in the Bible which, if taken literally, says that pi is equal to three. But the Greeks, as Robin Wilson of the Open University suggests, were a bit smarter. What Archimedes did was he took a circle and he put inside it a regular hexagon and he put round the outside a regular hexagon and he looked at the perimeters of the two hexagons 
and then said the circumference of the circle, which is 2 pi r, is between these. And by doing that, he got some very rough approximations for pi. He then doubled the number of size to 12 and got better approximations. And then to 24, 48, 96. And he found that pi is just a little bit less than 3 and 1 over, 1 over 7. That's 22 over 7. And just a little bit more than 3 and 10 over 71, which gives a value of 3.14. And this was the method that was used from then on for finding pi. So began the search for a more accurate value of pi. Ludolf van Coelen dedicated his life to calculating it to 35 decimal places. When he died in 1610, the digits of pi filled his gravestone. In 1937, pi to 707 decimal places was inscribed on the domed ceiling of the Palais de la Découverte in Paris. Unfortunately, they made a mistake, so it's inaccurate after the 527th decimal place. It makes you wonder, wouldn't life be easier if we just changed pi to something short and simple? Strictly speaking, a lot of aspects of mathematics would collapse if we legislated that pi was exactly equal to a number. And there's a beautiful story about an attempt to legislate the value of pi. In about 1897, there was this uh, physician, a guy called Edward Goodwin, who lived in a place called Solitude, Indiana. He was about 69 years old and a little bit nutty. He convinced the Indiana State Legislature to make pi equal to 3.2. So, so he's saying 3.2, which isn't anyone even accurate else, to one decimal place. That's nowhere near it. Anyone else in the world who wants to use this 3.2, they'll have to pay a royalty to Indiana. We'll just go through the roof with all the money we're making from around the world. The House of Reps, the lower house, voted 67 to nil to support that legislation. It was an act entitled an act to introduce a new mathematical truth. Thankfully, this guy called Professor Waldo, he was a professor of maths at Purdue University, happened to be in town at the time the upper house, the Senate, was about to debate the matter. He talked them out of it. And as far as I know, that piece of legislation still sits in the Indiana House of Representatives, waiting to be discussed at a later date. Adam Spencer again telling us that pi is not a number that humans can arbitrarily define. No, pi is pi. It's a God-given number, and it appears everywhere from probability to pendula, as pointed out by maths enthusiast Rob Easterway. Oh, and by the way, L over G is pendulum length divided by the acceleration due to gravity. A pendulum's swinging quite free, then it's always a marvel to me that each tick plus each tock of the grandfather clock is 2 pi root L over G. Now maybe it's not such a surprise that in a pendulum you've got pi because after all a pendulum is a, a fixed stick and it's creating a bit of an arc of a circle. But there are other situations where you'd think this surely hasn't got anything to do with a circle. Let's suppose we're on a, a really big sandy beach on some desert island and you've got a very large rake and each of the teeth of the rake are exactly one inch apart and you just run this rake along the beach and you can imagine you've created lots of parallel lines and you happen as well to have a matchstick which is exactly one inch long and you decide to start tossing this matchstick landing it on your parallel lines well if you do this experiment thousands of times the chance of landing on one of the lines is exactly two over pi if you conduct the experiment completely randomly if the chance of a matchstick crossing a line is two divided by pi then you could actually use this to measure pi. Or you could calculate pi using the stars, pi in the sky. You see, analytical number theory 
says that the probability of two random numbers having no common factors apart from one is 6 divided by pi squared. Stars are pretty randomly spread, so you use them to generate some pairs of random numbers. Then work out six times the total number of pairs divided by the pairs that have no common factors, which you find using Euclid's algorithm, of course. Then the square root of the result equals pi. Easy. Well, as easy as pi. And once you've calculated it, here are some mnemonics to help you remember its value. May I have a large container of coffee? May I have a large container of coffee? Write down the number of letters in each word. Uh, and you get 3.14159. Can I find a trick recalling pi easily? 3.1415926. How I need a drink, alcoholic of course, after all those lectures involving quantum mechanics. That gives you pi to quite a lot of decimal places. And there's a beautiful story of an English guy, Tom Morton, who's tried on at least three occasions to break the 20,000 decimal place mark. He's failed once because he wrote the wrong number on one of his cue cards when he was memorising it. The second time he just dropped from exhaustion after six hours. The third time when he was going out well in front of world record pace and really feeling good about himself, he got to number 15,220th oh, decimal place. It just said the wrong number. ba boom. See you later, Tom. Now, hang on. Adam Spencer just mentioned memorising pi to 20,000 decimal places. That begs the question, how on earth would you calculate pi to such a phenomenal level of accuracy? Ian Stewart again. There's a whole new industry of formulas for pi. There's a couple of American mathematicians who are brothers called Borwine. They've calculated pi to billions of digits with very clever formulas. And they came up with a formula which allows you to calculate, let's say, the billionth digit of pi without calculating any of the ones that come before that. You can reach into pi at some distant point along its decimal expansion and say, I wonder what that one is. Now, the reason no one's ever done this is that it's not particularly useful. But I would also imagine that nobody ever thought it was even possible. It seems completely impossible because all the methods for calculating pi relied upon building it up one digit at a time. It's like being suddenly able to transport yourself to the top of the mountain without bothering to climb anywhere in between. It doesn't seem to make sense. It can just transport you to any place in pi. OK, if you want to go to a long way down the digits, you want to go to the trillionth digit, it's a big calculation to find it, but you don't have to do a trillion calculation to find all the others. People have become obsessed with the pursuit of pi. In 1999, Kanada and Takahashi at the University of Tokyo calculated pi to 206 billion decimal places. So, you might assume that such accuracy would be a boon to scientists and engineers. There was a beautiful point in history where a Persian mathematician, Jamshid Masood al-Kashi, in 1424, calculated pi to 16 decimal places. Now, to put that in perspective, if you had a circle 600,000 times the diameter of the Earth, and you're trying to work out the circumference, Pi to 16 decimal places will give you that circumference to within about the width of a human hair. So you just don't need longer numbers than pi like that. So things that have happened recently of people with giant supercomputers crunching out pi to billions of places, you certainly don't need that in terms of calculating anything effectively. In other words, you only need pi to a dozen or so decimal places for all practical purposes. But David Blattner, pi aficionado and author of The Joy of Pi, argues that there's a real need for mathematicians to calculate it to the billionth decimal place. If you can calculate pi accurately to a billion or two billion or two hundred billion digits, you know that you have a very robust computer system. So it turns out to be a workout system for a computer. Beyond that, however, there really is this hope that we could somehow 
decrypt some sort of meaning that is hidden within pi. If you have something as simple as a circle, that all you have to do is divide its circumference by the diameter, the distance across a circle, and you get something a little bit more than 3, 3.1, and it starts unfolding. They've never found any sort of pattern within those digits. If you could find that, we might be able to get deeper into what makes circles circles. And beyond circles, we might be able to find what makes up mathematics itself. Pi shows up in hundreds of these sorts of equations that look like they have nothing to do with circles at all, and yet they all come back to the number pi. And if we calculate pi to enough decimal places, might we even discover a message from God? In Carl Sagan's novel Contact, scientists discover a message in pi left there by the creators of the universe. That may be fiction, but if we could calculate pi to enough decimal places, then we really would find messages. That's because pi is an infinite sequence of random numbers. So it contains every sequence of numbers. Translate these numbers into letters, and computers turn numbers into letters all the time, then you can find any sequence of letters you want. You'll find every book that's ever been written, and every book that will ever be written, and they'll all appear an infinite number of times within the infinity of pi. Alternatively, turn the digits of pi into musical notes and you can find every tune. So perhaps a good place to end is where the music of pi begins. Mm -hmm.